Welcome to LifeBeat. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Rights Life of Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. Joining us today is our Education and Events Coordinator, Catherine Kinsey. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you. Well, we're closing in on Thanksgiving here. There's snow on the ground in Michigan. Yes. And Northern Michigan University is closed tomorrow, so oh. that's not a good uh, <laughs> Already. That's not a good sign. Um, but uh, we're still out there in the cold, frozen tundra collecting signatures for our petition drive. Um, people keep wondering when's the due date, where are we at? Uh, I can tell you we're somewhere between 200,000 and 400,000 signatures. Yep. Uh, we need to come in a little bit faster if we want to finish by November and we, so we can avoid being out there in the bad December weather. Mm -hmm. uh, but if it comes to that, we will be. And then uh, the sooner you get petitions in, sooner we get closer to the deadline right. and we can announce that uh, two or three weeks out in advance. Mm -hmm. So keep on collecting. If you haven't collected any signatures yet, go to our Petition Drive website, which is michigan-values-life.org. You can request a petition, you can request several petitions, and go ahead and get us closer to the deadline. And then we can stop talking about it in the podcast. <laughs> right. All right. So the big thing that we need to talk about uh, this week, and I'm sure a lot of listeners have heard about this, was uh, Gretchen Whitmer held a press conference a few days ago on the 29th, and uh, besides insulting pro-life people about our petition right. drive, uh, the main purpose of the press conference was to introduce legislation to basically make abortion completely unlimited, Catherine. Yeah, pretty, it's a pretty scary uh, proposal that she has here. And uh, it's not far from what New right. York has done. Mm -hmm. In some ways, it may be worse than New York and Illinois and et cetera. And so uh, today what we're going to do is just give you a good overview of this bill. And this is critically important because Gretchen Whitmer is laying out a vision of what she wants Michigan to look like. Mm -hmm. And that is a vision that's diametrically opposed to ours. And so um, while the fight will continue, at one point one of these visions is going to come true. And we have to mm -hmm. ask yourself... Which vision is that going to be? Is that going to be a vision where every child is protected in law, including before birth? Or is that going to be a vision that we're going to illustrate? Yep. And so we're going to start out with a couple scenarios uh, that Gretchen Whitmer's legislation would allow. Then we're going to go through the bill itself and talk about its major changes. And then if we have time, we'll talk about some minor changes. Mm -hmm. So, Catherine... These are scenarios that uh, are not just like made up fiction based on worst case uh, you could possibly think of. These are scenarios that are based on things that have actually happened. Right. So let's start out with the first one. So if Gretchen Whitmer's bill were ever to pass, a woman who's 30 weeks pregnant could decide to have an abortion after her boyfriend abandons her. The relationship situation uh, qualifies as a health exception and rather than completing the birth to allow the viable child a chance to survive uh, instead a partial birth abortion takes place so the child is stabbed in the head mm -hmm. during the process of birth and the child's brains are suctioned out yeah not pretty to describe on a podcast or radio no but that's the reality of a partial birth abortion yep 
Um, do you think most people support that? No. 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 All right. Here's another scenario. Um, oh, before we get to that, we should point out that uh, that partial birth abortion story is very common. Uh, anytime they testified before we banned partial birth abortions, doctors would say most abortionists would admit most partial birth abortions were for completely elective reasons. Right. So you can't buy into the myth that somehow these late-term abortions are only for these crazy situations. They're far too common, and they happen for yes. situations exactly like that. Mm -hmm. Here's another scenario. A fire marshal is called after receiving an anonymous report about the poor conditions of an unexpected surgical abortion facility. The facility has water damage, rusty surgical equipment, blood spatters all over the walls, and garbage lying around. The fire marshal decides to let it remain open because if he were to do something about it, he exposes himself to a lawsuit and legal liability. Yeah. Catherine, do you think most people think that a surgical facility should never be inspected? No. I mean, that one really just does not make sense to me. Why would you logically not want, uh, you know, sterile conditions for a medical facility? They say safe, legal, and rare, right? What's yeah. the first word in that? Safe. Safe. Although uh, every abortion obviously carries right. with it risks. No such thing as a safe abortion. Um so this is uh, very close to real story. This is basically what happened in uh, Muskegon, the Muskegon abortion facility. And this is before we passed our law uh, requiring all abortion facilities to be inspected. Mm -hmm. Imagine that. Because before we passed that law in 2012, most abortion facilities in the state were never once expected. Mm -hmm. uh, Every restaurant you eat at, <laughs> right? the level of inspection they do is quite impressive. I mean, they check the level of detergent in the dishwater that mm -hmm. they use. They take no chances about safety when it comes to food. But apparently, it doesn't matter when the, it comes to surgical procedures. I, apparently, abortion is the one thing that gets to be above the law. Mm -hmm. um, so this case happened in Muskegon. Uh, what happened is someone broke into the abortionist's uh, office, presumably to steal his unsecured supply of drugs. And uh, the abortion, the fire marshal went in there, took about probably five seconds to look around and realize, oh my gosh, what is this place? Yep. And had it closed. Yeah. Um, and we'll get into why he'd be exposing himself to a lawsuit in a second under Gretchen Whitmer's legislation. Uh, the abortionist in Muskegon tried to blame it on pro-lifers who snuck in and apparently caused <laughs> years of rust to surgical equipment overnight and water oh, damage and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that clinic was closed. And that's what really happened with proper pro-life legislation. Gretchen Whitmer wants a clinic like that to stay open mm -hmm. forever and above yeah. the law. Do you think most people support that, Catherine? No. No. All right. Another scenario. A 16-year-old pregnant girl walks to the abortion facility located across the street from her high school. She's given no informed consent materials. She's forbidden from seeing the ultrasound of her baby when she asks for it. And her surgical abortion is completed during the school day. So they kick her out of the waiting room and she walks back to class. Her parents never find out. Mm -hmm. And the school can't even discipline her for skipping 
because of her unlimited right to abortion that Gretchen Whitmer wants to put in law. Uh, do you think most people support uh, teens being able to have abortions without parental consent or even parental knowledge? Right, no. No. Do you think most people want abortion facilities located right next to high schools? Most people probably not, no. Most people probably not. Um, do you think schools should, uh, you know, not be able to discipline <laughs> students for skipping? I no, mean, pretty simple probably one. probably not. <laughs> okay. That's what Gretchen Whitmer wants. All right, two more scenarios. Uh, this one's particularly egregious. A sex trafficker takes... Oh, no, first of all, we should mention that yeah. that actually happened. In D.C., there was an abortion clinic that set up shop next to a school. Yeah, yeah. But get this. The pro-abortion residents of D.C. were mad because there might be pro-life protesters there. Not mm -hmm. mad that women could walk, or girls could walk right. across the street to get an abortion. So that's not some kind of weird fantasy. Mm -hmm. That's a real-life situation. Mm -hmm. All right, this next story. A sex trafficker takes his pregnant 13-year-old victim to an abortion facility. No questions are asked. No medical professional is even present at the abortion facility. And the victim is sent home with her sex trafficker and abortion pills that were prescribed by a nurse via Skype. Mm. A nurse not even in the building. Um, this is basically a real story. There may, might have seen uh, in just the last few days, there's a story out of Florida where a missing teen uh, was videos of her sex trafficker sexually abusing her were posted on a popular pornography website. And uh, in the news story, they said the, the girl um, accused the sex trafficker of taking her for a uh, forced abortion. Mm -hmm. uh, the abortion facility didn't screen, yeah. didn't catch on to it, sent her back home to the sex trafficker. Do you think most people uh, think 13-year-old victims should be handed back to sex traffickers? I should hope not. No. Do you think most people uh, would imagine you go into an abortion clinic and there'd actually be some sort of licensed professional there? I mean, yeah, you would think so. Okay. Yeah. And you, do you think most people would think that, you know, even if a woman were to have an abortion, even pro-choice people would say, shouldn't a nurse or even a nurse right. be like <laughs> in the same room personally yeah. examining a patient about mm -hmm. to have an abortion? Well, that's what Gretchen Whitmer wants. All right. In the last situation, um, a college athlete becomes pregnant. Her coach demands that she has an abortion and threatens to pull her scholarship if she doesn't because she can't do her sport if she's pregnant. The athlete doesn't really want an abortion, but she knows that she has no legal recourse to address her coach's coercion, and in her mind, her entire education and future is riding on that scholarship. Mm -hmm. The abortion facility staff just rushes her as soon as she gets there into the procedure room so that she doesn't have time to change her mind and think about it. No screening for coercion is done. This is a very common story. Uh, I saw the other day a story from uh, a lady who was saying that she doesn't know a single track, a women's track athlete who hasn't had an abortion. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and some of those, in most of those cases, they were uh, generally uh, more voluntary. You know, she mm -hmm. didn't say coaches had uh, forced them all to do it, but there's been a lot of stories about this, and um, let's face it, and this is a form of, you could call it sex discrimination and job discrimination. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that's okay? No. 
Do you think most people think that uh, coaches should be able to force their female athletes into having abortions? No. But again, that's what's going to happen if Gretchen Whitmer's bill goes through. So these are real-life scenarios that have happened, uh, that will happen, that, that are happening in mm -hmm. some states, um, and maybe even in Michigan, because enforcement is not, of any law, it's not 100% airtight. But these are the kind of scenarios that are going to be blessed mm -hmm. in law if Gretchen Whitmer's bills are passed. So let's go through this real quick, um, these actual bills. So uh, it's important to note that these bills are not going to pass this session. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a pro-life legislature who not in a million years would ever let any of these provisions get past them. Mm -hmm. However, pro-life uh, legislative majorities are not uh, statues. Right. Uh, those majorities shift and flow with elections. and. You can bet your bottom dollar that if Gretchen Whitmer ever gets a majority of abortion supporters in the legislature, mm -hmm. uh, this is going to be something they shove through by hook or by crook. Yep. And so you better believe uh, 2020, the House, the Michigan House, uh, that election is going to be very important. And then 2020, when Whitmer's up for re-election and the Michigan Senate is, if we pro-lifers don't do our jobs, then every scenario I just read is going to be coming true in Michigan. Yes. So that's important for people to know that this is not going to pass. But like we said at the beginning, this is Gretchen Whitmer's vision for mm -hmm. the state of Michigan. And uh, I think it's fair to call this extreme. Yeah, I would think so. Since most, peop <laughs> no, most people would not support any of those scenarios. Right. Uh, but that's the situation we're in. So let's go through the major changes one by one and kind of explain how we come up with those scenarios. So the first major change is... Uh, she wants to repeal Michigan's complete abortion ban that's been around uh, since 1846 on our books. And uh, it's really important because when Roe versus Wade is overturned, that law goes back into effect. Mm -hmm. So I know we've had a lot of questions from people asking, well, why is Rights of Michigan not supporting that petition drive, the other one, to do the heartbeat bill? Well, that's because, you know, we already have the law that we need after Roe versus Wade is overturned. And Gretchen Whitmer wants to make it a focus of getting rid of it. Because if mm -hmm. she doesn't, then we win. Right. And our vision, in large part, comes true in Michigan. Right. So it's very important for them. And she ran on this in the election. It uh, didn't get a lot of attention in the media, but she ran on it and said that she was going to get rid of that law, as well as Attorney General Dana Nessel. Mm -hmm. The other thing her bill does is it codifies a unlimited health exception in our state law. So right now... Uh, that Michigan ban says mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, all abortions are banned except save life of the mother. The Supreme Court has said in Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton that uh, you can't enforce that law mm -hmm. um, in, in most cases. Uh, before viability, a, a woman has an absolute right to an abortion that you can't stop. You can do some regulations to it that mm -hmm. Rich Whitmer wants to get rid of, but you can't stop that. After viability, a woman, you can, the state can ban abortion, but there has to be a health mm -hmm. exception. And so uh, in 2001, we were able to prosecute an abortionist because we could tell he lied about the health exception. Right. But if the abortionist does a great job lying, mm -hmm. we can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. uh, so what Gretchen Whitmer does is codifies this unlimited health exception specifically in state law. And that health exception was defined in Doe versus Bolton. In 1973, same day, mm -hmm. it's a companion case to Roe versus Wade and says health 
is all factors related to well-being. So yes. uh, everything about your life impacts your well-being, and all factors, all is everything. Therefore, everything's a health everything exception. Everything's an exception, yeah. So in that example where uh, a woman's boyfriend leaves her, and uh, so she can say, well, that impacts my feelings, mm -hmm. and therefore impacts my well-being. Therefore, I can have a partial birth abortion mm -hmm. at 30 weeks if I want to under health exception. Uh, it also creates a specific unlimited right to abortion. Uh, and this is kind of scary because there's very broad implications. What does that unlimited right to abortion mean? Yeah. And importantly, how are pro-abortion judges going to say that impacts state laws and policies? Because in the bill, it says it applies to every policy. Mm -hmm. um, so we use the example of the girl coming back from school uh, back to school after having her abortion, and the school can't even um, can't even address it. Well, there's a provision in this bill that obviously says there's an unlimited mm -hmm. right to abortion that applies to every law policy in the state of Michigan. It specifically applies to schools and units of local government. Right. And so, uh, based upon a simple reading, she that girl who's 16 has an unlimited right to abortion that no policy. Can yep. affect so how can a state discipline her if she skips school to have a surgical abortion across the street? Uh, the legislation also allows women to sue for damages if they believe that their right to be uh, to have an abortion is restricted in any way. So that example with the fire marshal, mm -hmm. the fire marshal shuts down the abortion facility with blood spatters all over the wall, but in law it says that. Uh, on abortion can't be regulated by local government in any way unless it's to increase abortions. Yeah. It says that the only way you can, <laughs> you, the only way you can regulate abortions is if it's to make abortions more accessible, um, which by definition is not how regulation works. Right. Regulation is uh, restricting certain activities because they're harmful. Right. Um, and so, uh, no government unit, no school, there's no policy whatsoever can be used to restrict abortion. And so, uh, how broad is that? I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's an exceptional level of broadness. Uh, her legislation specifically repeals the partial birth abortion ban. And uh, a little trick to that is that dismemberment of ban that we're working on with the petition drive is amending the partial birth abortion ban. Right. And so, by uh, getting rid of the partial birth abortion ban, it would also necessarily get rid of our petition drive right. once we're successful um and so uh, this is extreme because uh, you know democrats pro-abortion democrats made such a great point of trying to say that uh, partial birth abortions didn't exist uh <laughs> it's not a real thing <laughs> yeah it was yeah. yes it were real things um and uh, they were afraid to even talk about it they don't want to use the term partial birth abortion they want to say it's made up uh, they freak out when you describe how partial birth abortion works, mm -hmm. uh, yet they want to repeal that ban and they want it to be perfectly legal to stab a child in the head when the child is halfway through the process of birth. Yep. Scary. Makes no sense. Just to describe it is, is to oppose it. Who could possibly want that to happen? Well, Gretchen Whitmer does yep. and her pro-abortion allies in the legislature. Uh, the bill would also allow abortion facilities to be unregulated and never inspe be inspected, as we mentioned. Um, instead of being regulated as outpatient facilities, 
they'd be regulated as doctor's offices and um, uh, doctors usually don't perform surgeries, uh, outpatient surgeries in their offices. Um, Certainly not ones that are risky. They can be risky like abortions or partial birth abortion. So you you can basically induce labor uh and then stab the baby in the head this is a dangerous procedure and you just do it in a doctor's office right no it doesn't no make sense. and when we when we began regulating and inspecting abortion clinics like any other health clinic then so many closed because they couldn't uh pass basic health and safety inspections yeah. and so you know it as someone mentioned to me this is back alley abortions. Yeah. It is the back alley. Um, and you can't even really punish abortionists doing back alley abortions with this ban. It, w- it would be up to, uh, you know, um, the you know medical licensing and stuff. And it's just, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, legislation removes the parental consent requirements. As we mentioned, uh, any girl at any age could walk into an abortion facility, uh, no questions asked, and have an abortion. Uh, the bill removes waiting periods, uh, so uh, walk-in abortions. Mm-hmm. You know, that 13-year-old girl walks in, yep. they can do an abortion, boom, right there. Fill out this paperwork. I don't know, would they even have to fill out paperwork? Yeah, who knows? That I don't even really know if they even have to fill out paperwork. Just come in, have your abortion, and goodbye. Uh, they removes requirements that abortionists provide women with informed consent. So a woman asks, how does this abortion work? The abortionist can say, whatever, and just start doing the abortion. And there's no repercussions. Absolutely none. They can also deny women the opportunity to see an ultrasound. So the woman, they do an ultrasound to see how old the baby is so they know how to go through with the abortion. The woman says, I want to see the ultrasound. The abortionist says, nope, sorry, and just does the abortion. Yeah. Can't do anything about that. Now... Catherine, would you have surgery without any other surgical procedure without informed consent? No. I mean, when I had my wisdom teeth out, they did some pretty yeah. decent informed <laughs> consent. Said this might could, this could go wrong and that could go wrong. Um, why do abortion facilities not want women to have informed consent, Catherine? Because abortion is scary. Yeah, and they might not go through with it, and they might yeah. not make money. Why do they not want women to see an ultrasound? Because they might change their mind. Might change their mind. Abortion facility, why might they don't want waiting periods? Because they might change their minds, you know. Yeah. They might take advantage of that choice they're talking about. Right, yeah, they don't really believe in <laughs> choice. They believe in the almighty dollar. Uh, that's what ab- motivates abortion facilities uh, in many cases. Uh, the bill also would remove mandated screening for abortion coercion. You know, that was very important that we passed that law because there's so many examples of girls almost... In some cases, literally being dragged into abortion facilities mm-hmm. by parents, uh, or we assume they're their parents. Yeah. Um, they aren't exactly willing to talk to the sidewalk counselors. We know of situations where women are coerced into having abortions, um, and these supposedly pro-choice legislators voted against that when we did it. Mm-hmm. Catherine, should it be legal to coerce a woman to have an abortion? No. Do you think even a pro-choice person on the street would say, yeah, we probably shouldn't? coerce women into having abortions probably not no but what happens if we can't uh, what happens if we screen women for coercion and they leave the abortion facility Catherine? they don't get the the money they don't get the money <laughs> the legislation also opens the door for any medical professional to perform a surgical abortion so we talked about the nurse prescribing an abortion pill via skype mm-hmm. um 
Governor Snyder refused to uh, re-up our ban on telemedicine abortions. Um, way not to be Governor Snyder, Mr. I'm pro-life. <laughs> um, so you can pre prescribe this abortion pill without even having examining the patient. And now they want to allow anyone to perform an abortion, any medical professional. So a nurse... Can nurses provide surgery, Catherine? Uh, no. No. In most cases, <laughs> some cases they can't even assist with surgery. Yeah. But they want to allow anyone to be able to perform an abortion. Mm-hmm. Now, why would they want that to happen, Catherine? Um, just so that it's more available. More available. Place. It's yeah. hard to find an abortionist sometimes. So if you can get any old nurse to do it, yep. uh, then you're golden. Does that sound like a health reason or does that sound like a profit reason, Catherine? Profit. Profit, yeah. And uh, the last major change we want to talk about is stops, like we mentioned, stops local governments and schools from regulating abortion in any way. Uh, and again, that includes zoning laws. So if, a, if they want to set up an abortion facility next to a high school, um, local governments can't regulate it in any way because there's an unlimited right to abortion. Mm -hmm. Heck, they could put an abortion facility in a school, Catherine. Yeah. How could you stop it? Right. You can't. And parents can get upset, but, uh, you know, there's nothing they can legally do to stop that uh, if this legislation were to go through. Uh, Michigan has laws about school-based clinics and all that right now. Right. But they want to repeal that. Um, and so uh, those are the major things that would change. And that's pretty much all the important pro-life uh, protections that we have come up with. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple little minor things we'll touch on. Uh, for, it, for some reason, they don't want to touch the Medicaid ban, uh, the ban on Medicaid-funded abortions, uh, which has saved a lot of lives. Mm -hmm. um, however, if you have an unlimited right to abortion in state law, I mean, you could, a judge can make an argument that, well, we have an unlimited right to abortion, and right. this law, even though it's supported by the voters, we're just going to ignore it. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, that's what we're doing now with state law, no thanks to uh, Roe versus Wade. So it appears like they're not dealing with it, but they may still be. Um, the fact that there's an unlimited right to abortion and women could sue for damages could really impact conscience protections. Oh, yeah. So if a person doesn't want to perform an abortion, even if this law doesn't legally say they can't do that, uh, a woman could still sue that person into oblivion. Um, yeah. And so this is kind of a backdoor way of affecting conscience protections for pro-life doctors and nurses. Yeah and others. Um, it repeals our abortion insurance opt-out act. So in other words, uh, every health plan in the state could have abortion built into it. So everyone paying for health insurance is de facto paying for abortions. Um, they were really mad when we passed that to deal with Obamacare, even though very, very few women in the state actually use insurance to pay for abortions. Mm -hmm. Well over 90% do it just cash. Um, why is that, Catherine? Why do the abortion facilities want them paying in cash? Because they get more of Yeah, it. you don't have to do all the, the <laughs> medical paperwork. Yeah. Um, and also, from a woman's standpoint, she doesn't want people to know. And so there's an incentive on the woman's part to do it that way as well. Mm -hmm. uh, interestingly, the law redefines fetal viability from the point a child can survive outside the womb, oh, yeah. which is how the Supreme Court defines mm -hmm. viability, to when a child can survive without quote-unquote, extraordinary yeah. care. What does extraordinary mean? It could really mean anything. I mean, if you have to send a child to the NICU, is that extraordinary? 
I mean, yeah, I guess it could be. It could be. So uh, not only do they have an unlimited health exception uh, for uh, viable abortions after the point of viability, but they redefine viability to basically be baby's got to be 40 weeks and have yeah. like a 10 on the APGAR test and, <laughs> and then, oh, that would, but... Um, can feed itself too. Right, yeah, yeah, and do all these things. Yeah, it comes out with a diploma from college. <laughs> um, but that's in a kind of an ominous change that could deal with other laws too. You know, you talk about they don't want to have to treat children who survive botched abortions, uh, dealing with disabled children who might need medical intervention to have, uh, you know, to be healthy after birth. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Yeah. And then they also define pregnancy in law at the point when the child implants in the womb, not actually when the child's life begins at the moment of fertilization. And so with that one, um, they're thinking ahead to uh, abortion pills, mm -hmm. uh, stuff like uh, Plan B and whatnot. Um, so they're ignoring actual medical scientific fact in right. order for a uh, political definition of pregnancy. Yep. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot, but that's, that's what she wants to do. And so uh, make sure you're doing your job out there to talk about this and uh, make sure that we're doing our job to oppose it. Yeah. All right. That's all the time we have for this edition of Life Beat. Join us again in two weeks. Have a wonderful weekend.